Hello, my name is Brandy Walker. Welcome to Throwing Light. This is episode 32, Broke and Optimistic. Hello, hey, hi, wow. I am very excited to share this episode, a little bit nervous. This is a super vulnerable, like I'm going to spill my soul in the form of like uh, sharing the amount of <laughs> of debt and and money we have. So yeah, that's always, that's always a little uncomfortable. It's interesting. I've felt compelled to do this episode for a very, very long time. And every time I share something of this caliber, there's a sense of like, oh shit, like my family's going to hate me. I come from, I come from, I guess, a pretty private family, not like, like extra private. Like we didn't have a lot of secrets or if we did, I still don't know them. But, you know, just kind of the idea that you don't share your, you know, air your dirty laundry out in public. And I am a dirty laundry airer. I think I've kind of always been this way. Well, no. Okay. I think that a huge part of my healing and recovery when I first cleaned up my act back like years ago, a huge part of that was sharing my story and sharing the parts of my story that were embarrassing and shameful and the parts that I had been told or I had told myself that you don't share, that that, that's not allowed. And then along came the internet (laughs) around the same time, kind of. And one of the interesting things that has kind of happened is that We are discovering, I mean, we knew this through other mediums, books and TV and all of it, that there's huge power um, and healing when you share your story, not just for the sharer, but for the receiver. It's, It's an interesting thing because it's something that I feel like I'm very good at. And it's something that it's an important skill, but it's not necessarily admired, (laughs) Maybe it is, but like, there's also this sense of like, don't share too much. I mean, like, keep some for yourself, right? So it's interesting because I think part of the reason why, looking back now, I'm not as successful, uh, quote unquote, successful as I wish I was now, or like, not as far along on this like internet train as I feel like I could have been, is in part because. I I went to this talk. I went to the World Domination Summit in 2012, and I went to this talk by Danielle Laporte, and I don't remember anything specific about her talk, except that I walked away with the 
feeling of, oh, my God, I'm sharing way too much. And I was just so embarrassed. And Brene Brown was there, too. She spoke. And I think it was like the combination of like the importance of not oversharing and the feeling that and and nothing that they did. It was just it was all like internal, like, oh, my God, like hyperventilating, like I messed up. And it brought back all of the shame that I had, funnily enough, been healing through sharing. I didn't stop completely, but I changed kind of the way that I was sharing online and I became more article-based, which didn't really work for me because that's not that's not my style. And it's a long story and I won't get into all that. But the short version is it took me a long time to come around to where I am now where I realized, okay, yes, probably I shared too much at certain points. And probably I didn't share enough at certain points. And it's a balance and it's a skill. Ultimately, I think that's where I fell on it. There's no shame in in learning a new skill. And so I get to I get to practice and I get to make mistakes. And so this is part of that. <laughs> so I mentioned in the podcast I did about the spirituality of money. I watch Dave Ramsey and I love hearing the stories about people like overcoming like tremendous debt and obstacles and really getting their financial situation together. And I read a lot of financial books, not like really dry books, more like story oriented. And so I I just love hearing stories of literally rags to riches. (laughs) And then I don't know how I found her, but on YouTube, I stumbled across this incredible YouTuber who's not generally like somebody that I would watch normally just because like I think we have kind of different styles but her name is Aja Dang and she started doing this thing at the beginning of the year well she posted this video in December and I think it was just titled like I'm broke and it was her like oh my god you guys like my it was so raw and real and like oh fuck I'm in deep shit and then in January she started posting at first they were bi-monthly, bi- I guess bi-weekly, because bi-monthly would be every other month. So bi-weekly budgets, and she would share the income she had coming in, what she had going out, what she was paying toward her debt. A lot of it was student loans. And then I think she eventually switched to monthly. I have only followed those videos, so I don't watch a lot of her other stuff. But it sounds like she's got a lot of like backlash and judgment and like I can only imagine because she makes a lot of money. And for me, I feel like who am I to judge that more power to her? And I absolutely 100% think that we live in a time, especially with student loans, like you have to make that amount in order to pay your student loans. And I absolutely think that it's not just because she's a famous YouTuber that she's able to do that. I think she's hustling hard like she's talking about walking dogs and dog sitting and like she was hustling hard and still is and she has some other gigs now and obviously she makes money as a youtuber but I have nothing but respect for her (laughs) and I loved hearing like her journey and and I loved how raw it is and how like very real and almost like depressed about it (laughs) I respect that in a weird way. Like I respect that honesty and not trying to put like a 
positive spin on it. That's totally who she is, and that's real. On the other side of things, I started, I don't even know how I found her, but I started following this Instagrammer called the Savvy Sagittarius, and she's younger, I think, in her early 20s, and she's got like $7,000 worth of debt, and she's working, I think, as a bartender, And has just been Instagramming her entire journey. And it's like super, super inspiring. Like when I see that, I'm like, man, I wish I wish I had that at 22. Like I do now at 37. So I have to like work with what I've got. I found both of those super inspiring. So I have a lot of student loan debt. And I'll talk about how much in a minute. But the reason I really respect Asia for her honesty is because... I was in that place for years, and I still have loads of debt. I'm not, I don't feel as pessimistic about it, and I'll talk about why in a minute, but I was so overwhelmed and so just broken about it, and, and I wasn't making any money, and I didn't know how we would ever pay it back, and so I was scared, and I was scared for years. And so when I first began seeking out, like, resources and assistance and, like, stories that talked about student loan debt. Oh, and another really good resource. I may have mentioned this in the Spirituality of Money podcast. Death, Sex, and Money is a really big podcast that did this whole series on student loan debt and people sharing their overwhelm and their brokenness and their and their amounts. And uh, Dr. Phil does this thing where if you say you have over like – worth of student loan debt, he asks, who's the doctor? Or are you a doctor? And let me just say, (laughs) I have over $150,000 worth of student loan debt, and I am not a doctor. I went looking specifically for people who had as much or more debt as I did, just so I could feel like I wasn't completely alone. And so part of the reason why I want to share this with you is because if you're in that place, if if you need to know that like somebody has it worse than you, like I feel that and I re- totally respect that. So let's just do that. And I'm going to talk income too because I think that's important. So one of the things I do is I track our net worth every month. So let me tell you the debt first. So we have about $10,000 in credit card debt and we have Three hundred and twenty-five. I can't. I, it's hard for me always to say this. Three hundred twenty-five thousand two hundred ninety dollars in student loan debt. So three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars essentially in student loan debt. That is my student loan debt and Jermaine's. I keep a Google Doc of all of our debt. We have seven lenders. I think I have four, and Jermaine has. Three, my principal balance, and that includes all but the last semester of grad school because I have I have one more semester to go. But uh, my principal balance is one hundred thirty eight thousand, and my total now is one hundred sixty seven thousand, which is not that bad. I mean, it's bad. It's thirty thousand dollars bad, but. In the relative scheme of things, it's, it's, it's not that much higher. Jermaine's principal balance was 91000 and his 
total now is 157000 And so when I talk about my student loan debt, I do not think in terms of my student loan debt. I think in terms of our student loan debt. And that's just how we've decided to do it. I'm not saying that that's how people should do it, but that's what works for us. And so I, I don't feel like we will be debt-free until all of our student loans are paid off. So that's what works for us. He went to a private college. He entered a major that ultimately, I think he found out three-fourths of the way into it wasn't a good fit for him. And then we got married. Like It was just a weird series of events where we were still kind of growing. And for a couple years after we got married, partially the reason why I wholeheartedly combine our finances is because I didn't pay attention to his. I was kind of tracking mine a little bit, but I wasn't paying any attention to his and he wasn't paying any attention to his and things got out of hand. And I don't fault him for that. I think that like shit happens and neither one of us was very good with money back then. And I've definitely made some really poor mistakes. Once I kind of like grabbed a hold of it and was like, oh my God, like we <laughs> we have like a like a giant monster, (laughs) like just hanging out in our closet. So what the hell are we going to do? I was like, I can't just ignore this other like monster over here just because it's not quote unquote mine. We have our strengths, right? So I don't do anything like technological. (laughs) When Jermaine was gone for five months, like the computer wouldn't turn on. And so we just didn't have a computer (laughs) for those five months. And I think we we both have strengths and weaknesses is what I'm trying to say. So I do the money stuff and that works for us. And so our net worth, because we have about $10,000 in assets <laughs> and we don't own a house and probably won't for a long time. Our net worth is, yeah, so it would be, oh, wait. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Our total debt is... 335,000. Our net worth is 325,000. So we're in the whole 325,000. So (laughs) you might be wondering how I can be joking about that. And that's a fair question. I think what I want to portray is this is not something I take lightly. Like I said, for years and years and years, I was just like, carrying it around with me like everywhere I went like just straight like so first I was like ignoring it for like two years I just ignored it and then I looked over and saw it and I was like fuck and I didn't know what to do so I just like picked it up and started carrying it but I didn't do anything with it I just freaked out about it like every day like every day I got to a point where I was like I can't live my life like that (laughs) like I'm going to you know die of depression and anxiety and that's not how I want to live and I am by nature an optimist I just am and and I am great I'm really grateful for that I think that it's possible that that's a learned skill too but I could be wrong but what I ultimately decided was fuck it we're gonna get through this so that's what we're doing and it's not a linear path so here's where we are right now financially (laughs) I'm in grad school. I am making money essentially however I can, but trying to hold a job outside of my internship and school, it didn't feel feasible. And I think I can make more money through side hustles uh, than I can 
if I got like any other job. I just think I can make more money <laughs> uh, selling things we don't need online and flipping shit and cleaning houses. And I am doing some developmental editing, freelance writing, uh, life coach, like mentoring. I'm doing it all. <laughs> and so far, that's what's working. Jermaine just started a new job and currently he's making $12 an hour. And so this is where things get a little bit scary. And the thing is, he's making $12 an hour right now for the next four months because he's in like an apprenticeship. And then he'll, um, his salary will bump up to $50,000 um, in February. And we've lived on less. Our expenses, like we could absolutely live on 50 if it weren't for like where we live. But our rent is $6,000. No, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, our <laughs> that <clears throat> that is not true. Our rent is two thousand dollars. Our insurance, uh, health insurance, is six hundred dollars. Our car insurance is one thirty five. Our debt right now, what we're paying is three hundred fifteen dollars. In January, it'll increase by fifteen hundred dollars. So it'll be eighteen fifteen. And so that's kind of why we'll still be short even when he gets the bump in payment because that's basically what what like he'll like our because the $1500 is what we'll start owing on his bigger private loans uh that have been in military deferment since he's been in the army and so that that comes out 6 months after you get out of the army and so We'll have to start paying those. And so he'll get this bump in pay. And then he'll also get this bump in student loan payments. You know, and then the other stuff, uh, utilities, phone, gym, which I arguably could <laughs> quit and not have that. Easy pass because we live in the D.C. metro area. And that's how I get to work. Our daughter. So we pay her $70 a month to watch our son in the afternoons. And then generally speaking, I, I spend an extra 40 in addition to that on like her taking the Metro and just different things. And so I factor in a hundred for her. We pay $170 in subscriptions every month, which sounds like a lot. And it is half, almost half of that is stuff for my business. So it's technically tax deductible. And we don't do a lot of we don't have a lot of entertainment. Um, we don't really go out to the movies. Right now, we're not even really eating out. So that's, it's like $100 we pay for entertainment a month. If we have to close those things down, we will. <laughs> and then I figure, and here's where things get tricky. So I figure about $1,000 for expenses a month. Right now, at least 400 of that is going to be the Metro and bus rides for Jermaine to get to work a month. So it's like, I think it's at least $17 a day. It might be more. And then anything else. Uh, his lunch, obviously, groceries. And there's not a lot of leeway there. And we usually go way over the 1000 to be perfectly honest. One of the things that I need to work on the most is reining that part in, not spending so much on really most of the money I spend is on groceries. And I don't regret that because I think that food is something that I feel strongly about investing in for our health. But also, 
we need to make sure we have the money to to <laughs> invest in it. Yeah. So all of that equals I think $5,000. Yeah, it's $5,000. So um he makes $12 an hour. So on paper we're $3,000 a month short. <laughs> And I'm still laughing. And I'm not doing that to be like glib. I'm actually making fun of myself because I feel like five years ago, if I had heard this, I would be like, this girl's an idiot. Like, what the fuck? What I do know is that I've been like running a household for 10 years and we've made it. And we've had a lot more than this. We've had a lot less. We've had we've had shortages. I don't know if we've had a $3,000 shortage, <laughs> to be honest, but... But we always come through and we always we always figure it out. And we also have a really great support system. And I don't anticipate having to tap into that. But it's nice to know that we have that support if we need it. We also have $6,000 of credit. No, it's closer to probably $10,000 in credit that we haven't spent that I don't plan on spending. But if we absolutely had to, we could. And so I'm not anti-debt, me personally, even though <laughs> we're $335,000 in the hole, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be tight for these next, you know, until till grad school ends. When grad school ends, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get, in addition to the side hustles that I'm doing now, <laughs> and I'll probably still be doing those, I am going to find a job that has, you know, salary and, and benefits and like a buy weekly paycheck and like shit that you know you you like when you're in your 30s right at that point i conceivably our income could double that would cover the gap at least at the very least and if it gets as tight as it possibly could like i said $17,000 we could have some like catching up to do right we could have some like running uh to try to to get back to like baseline or my side hustles could come through and we could kind of be at baseline when that time comes around and then I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be side hustling <laughs> and we're going to like flip it and we're not going to be in the hole and what really excites me I mean it's crazy to think like I'm excited about having to start paying $1500 a month in uh, student loans come January, February, but I really am. Like, I'm stoked to get these beasts, like, manageable. <laughs> like, I cannot wait till we're at a place where we can throw thousands of dollars a month toward this debt for, like, a long period of time. I think I wrote down, like, like a guide. I, th- I think it might have been, like, a five-year plan paying off 335 thousand dollars in five years would be insane but but it's also potentially doable so he's going to be making a lot more money in a couple years after this this apprenticeship is over he'll be kind of set up to make good money as a coder Um, my income is only going to go up as I work toward um, my clinical hours and eventually gain my clinical license and am able to begin private practice for myself, which will take a couple years. Like this is like at least a three-year plan, right? Just to get started on making good money. But I don't foresee 
this being dire for the rest of our lives. And even if I didn't have school, I wouldn't foresee it being dire. I think because I feel like there are a lot of opportunities out there right now to make money. And I can, you know, I can talk more about that. I've done a lot of research in that realm. And if you are interested in hearing about random side gigs that you can do that aren't like driving Uber or opening up your house (laughs) uh, to um, Airbnb, I will be glad to share all of the things that I have learned and the things that I'm doing. I wanted to share this and I know we have a long way to go and I'm not like I'm optimistic, but I'm also realistic. Like it sucks. It's not a great place to be in. But one of the things I don't like about the Dave Ramsey like philosophy is that he basically it's like you're in prison and mentally you can't be in a prison like ever like you like regardless of what you're going through regardless of whatever it is that you're burdened with like you got to find a way to like spin it so you can deal with it because if you can't then you can't deal with it I really honestly believe that it's 90% mindset. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to add was that we are absolutely going to get on food stamps, and I have no shame about that. Um, we make below the poverty line. And if we come to make more than that by the side hustles that I'm doing, then I then I won't need it, and I will get off. But as of right now, <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. And I actually hadn't thought about it. I was talking to some friends in grad school, and they super suggested that I do. And I was like, wow. One uh, of my colleagues said, you know, you would absolutely tell your clients to do that if they were in your shoes. And I would. And I would tell any of you listening, (laughs) go get on food stamps if you qualify, like, 100%. One thing I didn't do that I probably should have is I didn't – we ended up paying for – my school's health insurance, um, and I didn't go through Medicaid. And part of that was that I began trying to navigate the system, and they kept asking for paperwork that I couldn't provide or didn't know how to provide. And I got scared because I was afraid that I wouldn't get it in in time, and then my family wouldn't be covered. And um, so I, you know, I talked to Jermaine, and we felt like the best option was to pay for health insurance. So that's why we're paying $600 a month. It would be very nice if we didn't have to do that. But again, I'm I'm trusting I'm trusting my gut. It's like an, an investment. So I was talking about investing in food and I'm trusting myself that I can do this and that I can work hard and and bring home some bacon literally and figuratively. So that's my story. I hope it helps you. What I want to do is, you know, update in in a few months and kind of tell you where I am and how it's going. And um, and I could do like a little check-in kind of each time if that seems like something that anybody's interested in. What's really funny is I posted, so I had originally thought, well, how should I, I was thinking about doing this and I was thinking I could do it on Instagram. I could make a video. And I was like, I have a podcast. Like, why not share it on a podcast? I had posted on Instagram that I was thinking about sharing. You know, you can ask on Instagram stories, like, would you be interested in, you can ask like whatever question. So I think that was what I asked. Would you be interested? And Only two people replied. One of them 
a therapist whom I super respect, and she said she would love that. And the second one was my psycho (laughs) ex-boyfriend, and all he said was no. And so I took that as a yes as well, (laughs) not because I think he probably absolutely meant no, but the fact that he thinks I shouldn't share makes me want to share. And just as an aside through all this, I am really, really digging the idea of ignore everybody. Like letting go of other people's opinions of me has been life-changing. And I'm not 100% there to be sure, but like it's given me a courage that I needed to level up. And so I'm really excited about that. Really excited about not caring what other people think. (laughs) And also it's given me like freedom to absolutely like love people and to 100% like not for what they think of me, but for them. All that to say, I hope you're having a good day. I didn't mean to rhyme. Ah, namaste. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate your ears. If you like what you heard, there are a couple of ways that you can support this podcast and help build momentum. First, you can share it with a friend. Second, you can leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening through. And third, you can support Throwing Light on Patreon and get cool shit, including a shout out on the podcast. Thank you again. I hope you have an unexpectedly amazing day.